Well, 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 the San Francisco 49ers are headed to the Super Bowl for, you know, the second time since 2019, the second time in the Kyle Shanahan era, the second time against the Kansas City Chiefs. This one's going to be a fun one. I got my guy Sunil here. We're going to break it down right after this. Matters in the Super Bowl, baby. Let's go. Like I said, the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. They are facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs. Sunil, give it to me. What do you got? How are you feeling right now? Oh, man. Look, there was a lot of emotions. Obviously, you know, this was the second game, Rohan, that I thought the 49ers were going to be dominant in, and clearly um, they weren't until that second half. But, yeah, I mean, just what an amazing feeling. Like, this team – seems to be a team of destiny and you know I, I saw somebody tweeted i forgot exactly who said it but you know it seemed like in the past the ball never bounced the 49ers way and uh this season it seems like you know every that's, single thing we need to case, happen yeah. yeah every single thing we need to happen for us to you know get the victory is happening and you know it's great i think that along this way a lot of questions are being answered, Rohan, and, you know, we're going to get, you know, deeper into it, I'm sure. But overall, man, super excited. We still have a season to talk about, and, you know, we're going up against Kansas City in two weeks. Time to get some redemption. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. It's redemption feeling for the 49ers because they are now going up against the Kansas City Chiefs, a team who beat the Baltimore Ravens earlier today. That game, though, we'll talk about that at the end. We gotta start with this game because you 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 said it. I mean, it's a roller coaster of emotions, roller coaster of a game overall. The 49ers go out in this one. They were down 24 to 7 at halftime. Last week it wasn't as bad, the deficit. But the 49ers are now in the second consecutive game where they were not the dominant team, you know, for, for a majority of this game. Um but there's one thing that is starting to evolve as a pattern over the last few games that was the biggest question mark about Kyle Shanahan in his entire coaching career. Could the 49ers pull it off, grind out the grimy games, win from behind? We haven't seen that really in many of the games. I know you and I mentioned it. Um, the 49ers, you know, they're wins. They're by double digits a lot of the times. They, they had a high average margin of victory this year. Their losses, a lot of, a lot of close games. And like you, I thought the 49ers were going to have a comfortable game. I didn't think that they were going to cover the spread like the Packers game. But this is the second consecutive week I've been more positive on the 49ers than probably the, the normal outlook. Last week, I was pretty positive that they were going to cover the spread. They did not. This week, I was more positive than normal. Um, and, well, we got this game. So it, it's been an interesting, it, 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 an interesting weeks of predictions. But this one, I mean, again – when it comes to the playoffs, it doesn't matter how you win. The most important thing is that you win, and San Francisco pulled it off, even almost ended up with another double-digit victory on their own. Right. And, I mean, I think there's a lot of 
you know, narratives to talk about. Obviously, you know, you're bringing up one, you know, one of the things, and they mentioned it all throughout the telecast, Rohan, is that 49ers teams have never been built to play from behind. They're Mm -hmm. built to, you know, play with the lead. You know, they're pretty dominant. They could pretty much play like an avalanche, right? You get the snowball started and it keeps going. But a bigger narrative for me, Rohan, is, you know, I'm I'm a Kyle Shanahan fan. I I admit it. You know, I'm a huge Kyle Shanahan fan. And and one thing that he gets killed for a lot throughout throughout the season is – his conservative play calling when it comes to big moments, right? Uh, last last week, a lot of people were going at him because of the way he managed the end of the first half. And, um, you know, he he talked about it, right? And he, uh, he mentioned why he did it. And it's basically like he's playing the numbers. He's playing to make sure that the other team, you know, doesn't get the ball and doesn't pick up momentum. This is a great game where you got to see, you know, somebody who's super conservative against somebody who's super aggressive and see how those philosophies play out. And if Dan Campbell had a little bit of Kyle Shanahan with that conservative play calling, the 49ers don't win this game. But because he's constantly playing the average, he's constantly trying to, you know, be aggressive and, and uh, maximize each drive and, and not play the numbers, I just say. Um, it ended up biting them, you know, biting them in the butt, and it ended up being the reason why they lost the game. Uh, and I'm sure he's gonna look back, and a lot of people are already seeing. I can live with it. He's been like this the whole season. I can live with it. I don't think Don Campbell's gonna sleep well tonight, knowing it was those kind of calls that could have definitely changed this 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 whole game around. And he's probably coaching in the Super Bowl, goals or punt it or you know whatever instead of going for those four downs i agree i mean there are three key decisions in this game that i think changed the outlook of the game for the detroit lions three that ultimately led to their demise from dan campbell the first one obviously the 49ers are down um what do you call it they're down for, uh, 14 points you're, you're down 24 to 10 after they kicked the field goal you're down 24 to 10 now I love the aggressiveness. I, I'm, I'm a guy who likes aggressiveness. But in that situation, while Dan Campbell has gone for it a lot, there is, it's a playoff game. There, It's a different kind of environment. And going up three scores is extremely important. Why? Not only does it not only does it give some momentum on your side, whereas you know the fourth down miscue didn't allow the 49ers to kind of pull back with their own momentum, but on top of that, the three-score game with that much time left, you know, it's hard for the 49ers to overcome that. They also have to change their script. You probably have to be a little more pass-happy and a little more urgent, which sometimes leads to more mistakes. The Lions, they like to be opportunistic. That could have been the way that they, you know, generated a turnover or got some momentum swinging to their side. Then the second one, it's a three-point game. I know the Lions are playing for a victory, but once again, you're putting yourself in a tough position at the end of the game by not taking the points. Not only do the Lions then are not only are they forced to, uh, you know, go away from their bread and butter, the run game, because they're down points. They also, you know, that changed the outlook of the game. They also lost control of the game with that fourth down miss. Then, with one minute left, the Lions decide to use their final timeout after running the football. You cannot use that final timeout. I don't care if that play busted. Did I think they should have run the ball? Probably not. Did you? Uh, but 
that play should not have gone that way. Yeah. You cannot call a timeout there. That timeout killed the game for them because the likelihood of an onside kick is slim. It's zero. To, it's pretty much nothing. So that's those are the three key decisions, and I think that, that those three cost the Lions. We don't usually praise Kyle Shanahan for out coaching other teams. Uh, because you know it, it, you see the way that he play calls. Everybody points out Kyle Shanahan and his play calling. Kyle Shanahan outcoached Dan Campbell, and that was one of the biggest factors in this win. I'm going to point out a comment here for my guy Jesus. He says Kyle didn't abandon the run. This is where I want to lead to next because it seemed like to me the Lions did not run the football as much in the second half. And Steve Wilkes, when they did, made the necessary adjustments by you know cutting off the edges. Kyle Shanahan, on the other hand, did not abandon the run. Christian McCaffrey only had 29 yards, I believe, in the first half on 10 carries. Shanahan allowed the run to, you know, he, he kept a similar approach with a balanced approach, and the 49ers offense started to thrive. What did you think about this situation with the run game and how it impacted the game? Yeah, I mean, we all know that the run is something that if you stick to it in the second half, it becomes a lot more effective because people are tired, beat up, so on and so forth. And, you know, those two and three yard gains start turning into six, seven and eight yard gains, you know, as, as you stick to that running game. But, you know, I, I do think he's stuck with the run, but I also think it's more – you have to give a lot of praise to Brock Purdy. He made some big plays to extend drives, Rohan, and I think that's what ultimately allowed this team to stay on track because ultimately, like, if it wasn't for Purdy, some of those plays, those they, those um, drives would have ended, right? And and then you don't get to, you know, call another three plays or, or whatever the case may be. So... Yeah, I mean, obviously you want to get the ball into Christian McCaffrey's hand as much as possible. I think Debo being there for the whole game, you saw how that affects things, his ability to break tackles and just create momentum plays. And I think that's the biggest thing, Rohan. First half, all the momentum was with Detroit. Second half, the momentum jumped to the 49ers, and they didn't let go of it. And I want to point back to another point that you brought up. You're right in the sense that this game's – the 49ers had a lot of things come into their favor. I'm not saying that unfairly came into their favor. But if you look at it, some of the decisions I broke, broke down. Campbell's first fourth, down, fourth and go. Josh Reynolds drops a pass. It was an open pass. Josh Reynolds dropped it. I think that kind of spiraled into everything else happening because Brandon Ayuk catches a 50-plus yard pass when it hits off a defender's face. That should have been intercepted. Instead, it turns out into being a huge completion. The Niners score. Following drive. What happens? The Niners get a fumble. The Niners are one of the most opportunistic teams when it comes to interceptions, but they get a fumble instead, and then they end up scoring, um, you know, another touchdown just like that. But, I mean, there were a couple of key drops by the Lions. Uh, I think, um, you know, Jameson Williams had one at the end of the game. Uh, Josh Reynolds had two. You have these issues. And then the one other crazy part uh, that kind of capped it off in, in the middle of this, uh, I, I believe it was the end of the third or middle of the fourth quarter, was the punt. When the Lions had a, a beautiful punt from Jack Fox, and it ends up going in, it just hits the line and goes for a touchback because the coverage could not make it happen. Imagine if that drive starts at the one-yard line instead of the 20. You're right. right in that. I feel like there were a lot of things that went in the 49ers' way, and the most important thing when that happens is you got to capitalize on those opportunities. San Francisco was the team that did in the second half. Yeah, and I mean, I think the, the, the Lions – going into the half just thought that they won the game already man 
and you could tell you saw you know there's the the video that's making us round around on uh social media right now with um cj gardner waving to the uh to the fans like at the end of the second quarter basically saying goodbye to the 49er fans yeah i'm in a trash talking type way and when you talked about that reynolds dropped past they cut to the sideline after the timeout or after the commercials and they were kind of joking about it on the sideline like oh alligator arms and they were laughing about it and all that kind of stuff and i remember thinking rohan i was like they seem unfocused right now and Mm -hmm. i think that that overall sentiment with just being like hey we're already beating this team we beat them we're this far ahead they let go of the rope. They didn't expect the 49ers to have that that second wind in them and come back. And then when it happened, they weren't they didn't have they didn't have the pedigree to keep up and and stop the momentum as the 49ers were able to. And I think that's because it's a young team. This is most of their, you know, first time in that. But it's funny because I don't think it is Reynolds' first time. It's not CJ Gardner's first time. So it's like for them to like be that type of mentality, I think is just, you know, a little bit maybe overconfidence in the moment. Yeah, no, um, exactly. And it's, you're right. You're right. It's a, it was a, a different environment. It was a different environment. Yeah. Ooh, and I mean, they said they were front runners. Interesting. Go ahead. I mean, that's true. That's what the media said. That uh, media said that oh, was the biggest about thing the about the 49ers. Yeah, we and talked look, about that at the beginning. Go ahead. I mean, look, it's accurate. It's not like it's it's criticism that you could defend. It, what it's true. The we we you see Kyle Shanahan's record before these last two playoff games. Like he's abysmal. You know, uh, playing from behind, and you know the 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 team just hasn't done it in the opportunities that they have. I think this obviously is pointing to a change in mentality. I think it's. Ch- it's pointing to a change in um, this means like everybody's getting better. Not only Kyle Shanahan's getting better, but the players, the the, the leadership on the team. And ultimately, you got to put where's the biggest difference has been um, from the previous years of Kyle Shanahan and this year. And you got to say Brock Purdy, man. He trusts Brock Purdy. He allows Brock Purdy to stay Brock Purdy. He's not taking the ball out of Purdy's hands. He's not limiting what he, the playbook is like he used to do when Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback. Brock Purdy's been been um, basically holding up his part and making Kyle Shanahan look like a genius. But before we get into that, Rohan, I do want to ask you, Yeah. even though this game and we're on highs and all this kind of stuff, I'm sure we have a lot of time in the next two weeks to break down and analyze, but what is going on with Wilkes in his first half play calling and game calling? What are you seeing that is causing this 49ers defense to look so abysmal, stopping the run? And then what are you seeing in the second half that just kind of changes? Yeah, I mean, I tweeted this out, and I honestly think that this is the case. I tweeted out, who's going to be the 49ers' next defensive coordinator? I don't think the team brings back Steve Wilkes, even if they win a Super Bowl. I, I, I Well... Maybe I'll, maybe my mood will change a little later, but I, I at the moment, I think that Steve Wilkes is not going to be your defensive coordinator in 2024 under any circumstance. And there are two sides to Steve Wilkes, like you pointed out, the first half and the second half. The 49ers have consistently started slow over the like over the over the back end of the season. They've started slow a ton. This week was another one of those games where 
it's it seems like it's simple fixes you know what's the number one thing that you got to do against a team that created as many explosive plays as they did last weekend on the ground it's edge control make sure that you you know trap all of the stuff inside uh, uh, trap all of the stuff in between the tackles because that way your linebackers have a better flow can get to balls faster or can get to the run game faster and things like that chase young really struggled in the first half with uh you know both setting the edge on the back end uh, on the back side of plays and setting the end uh, edges at the main uh, run defender in that in those situations and so i think that you know there were there there were a lot of struggles and i mean they carried on even in the beginning of the second half how did the 49ers kind of get things going it's by forcing a fourth fourth and like you know a turnover on downs inside their own 30 yard line and then it was the fumble but i think you do have to give credit to steve wilkes because he does make the necessary second half adjustments that's kind of the veteranship in him consistently he did it last weekend he did it this weekend he's able to make second half adjustments but it is it's perplexing i don't even know if i have an answer as to why you can't start off fast because usually when you when you have a, 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 an issue like this it stems to preparation you're not figuring out the things you need to figure out before the game moreover you're figuring them out at halftime and it's a good thing that you can adjust but the 49ers cannot start this slow on a consistent basis that's just inexplicable and especially with the amount of talent you have i do think a part of it is also player execution you have messy things you have tackling issues you have poor angles whatever it might be in certain instances and then the defensive line has to win at times in the run game right you, i mean this is a star-studded defensive line with a ton of money allocated to the position you need to win at the line of scrimmage which i think is you know again you're going up against the top defense i understand that but I think a lot of it is also scheme. I think that, you know, players are just in the wrong positions. And more importantly, these third and 18s, these third and 12s, it's not only the run game that worked on the first half, it was the pass game as well. And it was pass game in unique, you know, tough situations where Steve Wilkes consistently played conservative. You play soft coverage, a lot of zone coverage, you know, on those third downs, conservative coverage. You didn't play press man as much. You didn't play man coverage as much on those third downs. And the Lions who run an offense under Ben Johnson, who find different ways to, you know, put balls in between the seams, put balls, you know, on some in-breaking patterns and things like that, work similar to the 49ers with timing. Well, they're able to exploit that because Shanahan's also able to exploit that kind of thing with defenses that have similar philosophies. So I think it is a combination of things. I think it is some player issues, but I also think it's just a philosophical thing that doesn't click until the second half when you make in-game adjustments. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I think you made up a good point. Like, this was the first time where, you know, usually when the 49ers defense looks suspect, it's opposing offenses taking advantage of 49er weaknesses, whether it be like an Ambry Thomas or insert, you know, whomever is Logan, you know, Logan Ryan or whatever the case may be. That wasn't the case this first half. You saw guys like Fred Warner out of position, missing tackles. You saw Diamond or Lenore getting burnt by, you know, receivers. It was, the it was you know, guys that we expect to make plays, guys that we want to have that uh, pressure on them. They're the ones that were making the mistakes, right? So um, I, I don't think it can all be put on Wilkes, even though you can tell a lot of people are calling for his job already. Like, it seems like on a weekly basis, they're calling for his job. And who knows? I mean, I personally think Steve Wilkes will come back next season unless one name out there uh, calls Kyle Shanahan. 
Otherwise, I think Steve Wilkes is still the DC. What do you think that one name is? Talking so about that a, boy, Bill? Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick has a really great relationship with Kyle Shanahan. Bill Belichick right now doesn't have a head coaching job because people don't trust his ability to change with the times when it comes to offense. Who better of Bill Belichick to be able to take a year, be the defensive coordinator under Kyle Shanahan, learn some of the components of the new offense, which everybody's copying Kyle Shanahan's offense, and then be able to come back a year later and get whatever coaching job is available there. To me, that would be the only reason why Wilkes won't come back. Other than that, I think Wilkes comes back next season. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think that that's an interesting take. To me, I think there are two – well, there's one like highlighted option that I think is the favorite to be DC next year. That safeties coach or now defensive backs coach Daniel Bullocks. I think he's mm-hmm. a young up-and-coming guy. I think he's kind of the guy who's next. 49ers, all three of their guys – Shanahan guys, you know, he handpicked them and he's they they were a part of a staff. Sala was the first one, then it was Demito, who was the linebackers coach, and now I think it's going to be Daniel Bullock's. But if the 49ers do choose to go outside, I mean, I think there are a couple of names that are intriguing. The guy who I like is uh Sean Desai, uh, Philadelphia D- Eagles defensive coordinator. No. Um, he 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 got let go. I don't think that was his fault. No. I, 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 <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad if it was Sean Desai. I'll say that. But D coordinator talk. That's for another day. Let's talk about you know the the way that the 49ers win these last two games. Brock Purdy, right? Brock Purdy, obviously with the marquee performance. Tell talk to me about him and what he's kind of proven to you. The what? So there's a lot. I mean, I think Brock Purdy isn't completely at his peak yet and you can't expect a, a player in his second year to be at his peak right Rohan? but you know he, he makes some throws where you're just like oh you hold your breath and you're thankful that you know it, it, you know it, the play didn't be, turn out worse than it did but he makes so many plays and i think the one thing that I, it, right now you can completely give him credit for is he doesn't he whatever mistake he makes he has a short-term memory and he's not going to let it affect moving forward in the game. Even in games in the previous, like during the season where, you know, the Baltimore game where he threw multiple uh, multiple interceptions or the Cleveland game or, you know, the Minnesota game, whatever the case may be. I don't think it's because he, he mentally has lost confidence in himself. It's, it's just bad execution or whatever the case may be. But his mental fortitude, I think, throughout this postseason and throughout this season, to me, is unflappable. To me... Nobody could argue to me that this guy isn't one of the most mentally strong players in the league because of everything that he's been through and what he's been able to do. I also want to give him credit, Rohan, for bringing new wrinkles that I think is important, especially going into the Super Bowl because it's going to give the Kansas City Chiefs something else to think about. His ability to scramble to get those first downs, his ability to be decisive when it comes to, hey, I see a running lane and and I'm going to do it. That, I think, is going to give, you know, Spagnola over there something else to think about when it comes to defending um, Brock Purdy that he hasn't really shown a lot of throughout the season. But we've known he's had that ability to, to do so. And he did it a little bit. He did it, obviously, last game as well. Um, and that game-winning drive, and he did it 
multiple times in the second half on re- and making really big plays with his legs that were kind of backbreakers for the Lions who had him pretty much where they wanted him and he was able to go out there and get first downs with his feet. So to me, those are some things that you can put on him. But man, a second year quarterback to be able Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. To do what he does, I think the team and Kyle Shanahan has full trust in him, which I think is huge. We haven't seen Kyle Shanahan with the quarterback he truly trusts. And um, here's the thing. Brock Purdy still hasn't lost the game, Rohan, when his elbow has been intact. He is yeah. now five and zero going into the playoffs. The- yeah, we're gonna we, we're gonna be able to see, you know, what how he comes out in in Vegas against you know the best quarterback in the league. So he's been doing everything that he, that people have been asking him to do, even though people say he's not capable of doing it. So props to Purdy. I mean, I agree. To me, Brock Purdy is showing a lot. I mean, he he's, you know, the criticism around him. I mean, right now, it's going right down the drain. And I think the intriguing part is that he's not playing perfect games. He's not. Neither of his last two games have been perfect. There have been a lot of, you know, not a lot, but there have been issues in both games. Slow starts in both games. But at the alt, at the end of the day, this is not the regular season. It's the playoffs. What matters? It matters how you deliver wins. And Purdy put together five second-half scoring drives. And I think you, you're starting to see the gamer mentality in him. It's just the ability to make plays. You know, he's not he's not the fastest quarterback. He's not the most athletic. He's not that type of guy. But he scrambled and saved the 49ers on a, a few different possessions in this one. You know, he had, I believe, up until – I know McCaffrey broke it a few plays later, but he had a 21-yard run, which was the longest run of the day for the 49ers up until that point in the, either the third or the fourth quarter. This was a marquee day for, for for Purdy because he proved once again that he's able to make a comeback and win. And you're right. His maturity, it's well beyond his years. Now, let's talk about the way that Detroit kind of went through this. What did you see that went worked well for Detroit and then ultimately did it in the second half? Of that? Yeah, I mean, in the first half, obviously, them starting with the run, I think, was – was good you know obviously montgomery gibbs are both phenomenal running backs and combined are even tougher because of the different styles that they run but initially the first half man 49ers were getting bullied and i tweeted it out they were getting bullied that offensive line was was handling the defensive line um what's the name jared goff he had nothing but time in the pocket and we know you know he is capable of of dicing up a defense when he has time right we know when he's pressured that's he's a different quarterback but when he has time he's a really good quarterback number one draft pick for a reason um and everything was going in the way like detroit's first half was exactly what they would want it to be right they got their run game going um their offensive line was holding up containing uh the defensive line and the pass rush for the 49ers they were moving the ball they were scoring on their drives 
And uh, what changed was all of that stopped in the second half, right? Their run game wasn't working as well. Bosa was getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, the defense, the 49ers defense made some big plays. You'd mentioned that there was a couple of big drops by uh, Reynolds. And more importantly, the 49ers were going down and scoring on each drive, which they weren't doing in the first half. So there was pressure constantly being put back on the, the uh, Detroit offense, which hadn't been there in the first half. So to me, I think that a young team that really was playing with house money got a little tight, I think, Rohan, and, and uh, the team that was more veterans, more seasoned, uh, has been in these big moments more often than than the other team. I think ultimately that's what showed. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that that what you said about the defense kind of the first half, it's right. They struggle. They struggle. I mean, the issue isn't that there's only one aspect of the game that they're struggling. When everything isn't working, that's a huge problem. Steve Wilkes, I mean, we talked about him and how I think there, there were some defensive issues with him. But it's intriguing how the second half kind of worked out. You know, the 49ers essentially, the biggest difference is they weren't really on the field on defense for much of the second half. You have that, uh, I mean, after the first drive where you, you force a turnover, you have that one play, you know, the, the fumble happened, I believe, on the first play of that drive. And then after that, you forced in a, a quick three and out. Or not a three and out. Uh, yeah, yeah, you forced a quick three and out. Um, and so those two drives, you know, you're on the field for like a collective of like less than a minute, or maybe just over a minute. I think that that was a big thing, making sure the defense could get off the field in time. The other drives, you know, you, you could say it was a bit, of, a bit of a struggle. But something that's kind of related to me over the last few weeks, not only in the playoffs, but before it as well, San Francisco's defense has its issues. I mean, we've seen it. But there's been a bend-don't-break mentality with, yeah. with this team. I mean, especially in the second half. 49ers, I mean, they had two straight possessions where it could have been a lot worse, but fourth downs, Detroit couldn't convert. That's, you know, that's potentially at least six extra points that Detroit loses there, potentially 14 extra points. And so I think that it's moments like that that were just huge where you're, you're, you're not, you know, you needed a stop and they got it. That's one thing, Rohan, that's been pretty consistent with this team on both sides of the ball. Offense and the defense have been pretty good in the red zone. The defense um, holding teams to field goals, the offense actually scoring touchdowns once they're in the red zone. So that's something that's going to bode well, you know, moving into the Super Bowl game, because that is something that Kansas City struggles with is scoring touchdowns in the red zone. So that's going to be an important matchup going into um Going into the Super Bowl, the uh, Kansas City offense versus the 49ers defense in the red zone. And we both know that they can't struggle like this. The offense can't struggle like this and expect to beat uh, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey-led offense. They're going to have to be able to figure out a way to score early and often. And uh, they have two weeks to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the case. Now let's quickly preview that game. You know, you, you, you saw the game earlier today. It was more of a slugfest. What did you like and what do you think can be exploited about the Chiefs? So that game felt like the Kansas City Chiefs should have won by like 20. And Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens basically cheddar bobbed themselves. They could have easily won that game, I think, if they didn't make – you know, they, they basically – you know, fumbled the ball right there with that should have been a touchdown if he just held on to the ball. And then, you know, Lamar Jackson throwing 
an interception in the end zone, obviously, is, you know, we're talking about two for sure scores that were taken off of the um, board because of turnovers. So to me, you know, Kansas City, obviously, I think their story going into the Super Bowl again, you know, obviously third time in five years, Patrick Mahomes is building his resume to be the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, Andy Reid, obviously, to me, is the best coach in the league. Um, you know, and th that team has a lot of championship pedigree, and they're there, but they're not the juggernauts that they have been in previous years. That offense isn't as great as it's been before, but their defense is a lot better than it's been, you know, in previous years. So I think that the opposite can be said for the 49ers, where their offense is much better than previous years, but their defense isn't as dominant as it had been in previous years. So for me, it's going to be really important that the, the 49ers defense understands that they have to be focused in at all points when it comes to playing defense against Patrick Mahomes, because it might seem like the play is over and he will figure out something to make sure that that play isn't over. Another thing, even though their offense isn't as strong as it has been, maybe the passing offense, they're running game is much better than it has been in previous years and unfortunately rohan our run defense isn't as stout as this has been in previous years so it's going to be in intriguing because even though it's the same quarterback coach tight end this team plays a lot different than they has in the past and the 49ers do need to adjust now going in i think the 49ers are built to to be able to beat a team like kansas city but they can't make the same mental errors that they have right. against Green Bay and Detroit and expect to win. I agree. I, I think that there, there are there, – you have to change. Because if you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, one thing that they're good at, one, they're good at taking the lead, obviously. But two, they're good at not giving up the lead. You know, when if they're down, you usually expect them to come back. And if they're up, you usually expect it to stay that way because the Chiefs are pretty sound, you know. Um, obviously you have a great decision maker in Andy Reid. They, they have, um, you know, they, they have that kind of pedigree. They, they, they find ways to come back from games, even against the 49ers in that last Super Bowl. And so definitely you can't come out as slow as the 49ers have in the last two games, mm -hmm. but against the chiefs, it's a lot, it's a much different team. I, I think that they're strong in the trenches. I think that they're underrated defensively. That's a pretty darn good defense. We saw it against Baltimore. But I think that Baltimore could have won that game. I, I mean, they go away from the run very early. Gus Edwards with only three carries, despite having six, you know, over six yards of carry. No Lamar Jackson designed runs. Jackson himself had several opportunities to scramble. He didn't. I think the 49ers look to exploit those kind of things that the that the Ravens did not. You're going to have to run the football against the Chiefs. You have to remain balanced. But running the football doesn't mean you still don't be aggressive in the passing game. I think that you've got to make sure. Um, you know, you, you get things working. But San Francisco needs to lean on the run because Steve Spagnolo, defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, he's going to find different ways to make pretty, you know, he's going to make him uncomfortable with his zones because the Chiefs are, they can play zone coverage well. That's not usually pretty strong suit. And I think that that's the way that they're going to try and look to exploit the 49ers offense. Now, the Chiefs don't have the same personnel as the Niners. They, I mean, sorry, as, as in years past, they don't. Kelsey, he's good. He had an 100-plus yard game this year. I do think he's taken a small step back, though, in general compared to his, um, you know, his prior years. But receiving-wise, Rashi Rice, the rookie, he's their top guy. They don't really have too many top guys outside of that. 
And then, I mean, you still have Mahomes, obviously, but it's a bit of a different look on the Chiefs team. Still, they've consistently found ways to win, and I think trench play is going to be important in this one. So we'll see how it goes, but I, I think that this one's going to be a different, a much different battle than the two the 49ers have faced thus far in the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, the, the Kansas City secondary is one of the better secondaries that the 49ers are going to compete against. And But also, the reason why Kansas City has been able to make it to the Super Bowl is not necessarily that they've gone out and dominated teams, but they've been, they've played the cleanest ball of the teams that they've played against. Because if you look at um, the Baltimore Ravens, they made the mistakes that ultimately led to them not being able to win the game. Kansas city gave them the opportunities, but they also are kind of what you were mentioning, bend not break. They're not making the mistakes themselves, but they're allowing the other team to make mistakes. Same thing happened with, Buffalo, where they had the chance to at least tie the game. And um, Josh Allen made, you know, bad choices when it came to his decision making in that last drive and ultimately led to Kansas City winning the game. So this is going to be a game where Brock Purdy, I think, is going to have plenty of opportunities um, to make some plays, plenty of opportunities to uh, to succeed but he has to mentally be strong and pay attention to ball security and make sure that, um, you know, he doesn't just put the game out of reach through the 49ers making mistakes. And I think the 49ers can have a really good chance of, you know, coming out and winning that sixth party. No, I think that that's right. Um, but like you said, it's gotta be with the start starting fast. That's going to be important. And Kyle Shanahan, he's going to have to, you know, I'm sure he's going to find himself in at least one tough moment in that game. How conservative are the 49ers against an Andy Reid who is not only methodical, but extremely aggressive and good at being extremely aggressive. You know, that's something that the 49ers were uh, caught with last time. And we know how Shanahan coached the last Super Bowl. I mean, you did go away from the run game a little bit. You did go away from, uh, you know, Debo Samuel a little bit when he, that was during, uh, you know, when he he was going off. And so you you had a bit of a, a different outlook in that last Super Bowl. And so I think that now you're gonna have to you're gonna have to change things up. You're gonna have to find ways to win. And I think the 49ers are gonna, you know, they they have arguably the strongest team they've had in, in their entire regime. They're going to have to find a way to pull it off because this could be your best opportunity to win the Super Bowl. But I also think that this year's DNA is different than years past. 49ers, like you said, finding ways to win those close games, that's usually how playoff games ultimately end, which is why the prospects of them doing it against the Chiefs is higher than you know one would usually expect. And I've always made the um, comparison to Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid. A lot of the um, narratives that are with Kyle Shanahan is what Andy Reid narratives were when he was with the Eagles. And, you know, one of my you know best friends is a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And he's, you know, talking about, you know, I was talking to him, like, I mean, the 49ers have all the components of being able to create their, their own dynasty right now um, with the young quarterback and the talent and all that kind of stuff. And he was like, you guys already are a dynasty because of how many times we've made it to the NFC championship. And I was like, no, right now we're the Andy Reid Eagles, right? The team that made it to multiple NFC championship games made it to one Super Bowl, but never got that ring. 
that ended up with Andy Reid moving to, you know, getting moving on and going to Kansas City and now creating the dynasty that he has with Patrick Mahomes over there. Did Kyle Shanahan going to this game and winning this Super Bowl is what's going to put him into that upper echelon of coaches with the ability, like he, all of a sudden now he's infallible to criticism, right? You're seeing the, the, the coaches that just have that one Super Bowl in their, um, in their, I guess, like trophy case that are, that are just, just given passes year after year after year with still not having that same type of success. Kyle Shanahan has been able to have really, really high level success, but doesn't have that Super Bowl ring. So he's always being thought of as, you know, his calls are being questioned. Can he win the big game? Is he really an elite coach, right? All of that could change in two weeks, Rohan, where he ends up, if they end up winning the game, which I think they will, all of a sudden Kyle Shanahan becomes goaded. And now we're talking about, is he capable of finishing his career as one of the top quarterbacks, or one of the top coaches in the history of the NFL as well? Yeah, I mean, when you talk about it, I want to bring up this comment real quick. Brock Purdy or Mike Vick? Because I was texting with my, my, my guy Marco during the game. And Marco, t- let me pull it up. Uh, right after the come, like right after that first touchdown, you know, um, and they right after the first one or second one after they started scoring, Marco just yelled at me in all caps, Brock Vick, because we are seeing Michael Vick, the right handed version and the white version. That's Brock Purdy right now. But you talk about Kyle Shanahan. You're right. I mean, the one thing that has evaded Kyle Shanahan that ultimately changes the entire perception around the NFL about Kyle Shanahan is if he wins the Super Bowl. If Kyle Shanahan won in 2019, the, I mean, he would be viewed at as a top three coach, you know, universally as a top three coach, potentially even number two right now behind Andy Reid. You might view him that high because he actually, you know, he he, he showcased that he could do it. Instead, Kyle Shanahan, I mean, I know 49ers fans probably think differently, but Kyle Shanahan is not viewed universally in that regard because a lot of other coaches who are still coaching have won Super Bowls and potentially even multiple Super Bowls. Once you find out how to win that bowl, I think it, it, it changes the outlook of how you are viewed as a coach. Kyle Shanahan has another opportunity to do so this Sunday, or not this upcoming Sunday, but the Sunday after that when he faces off against the Chiefs. I think that that one's going to be important. Now, Brian here, comment. What are your thoughts on Chase Young? Seems like he's lost out there. This is not a new issue. It was there last week as well. Chase Young, can, it, it, he struggles as a run defender. And moreover, I mean, you see some of the plays that have been clipped. His motor. His motor has been an issue in some of the plays. You don't, I mean, getting chipped or getting, you know, getting blocked on some of those outside runs, outside zone plays, or however they might be called by a receiver. He had that happen last week, had that happen again today. That is inexcusable. I mean, understanding, uh, you know, understanding your leverage, understanding the position that you're supposed to be in, that's not something that should be happening, yet it is. And so Young, the issue with him, I mean, the motor issue, that's something that a lot of people talked about when he was traded from Washington, from the Washington side, as a reason why, you know, they might not look to re-sign him or look to trade him or, or what the main issue was. Again, Young went for a third-round pick, much lower than what his counterpart, Montez Sweat, went for. And Sweat had a better season um, overall now, despite Young kind of being viewed in the same realm as him prior to the year. 
And so I think that Young right now is a situational pass rusher for the 49ers. And I also think he's under he, he's showcasing why one of the guys who I, I'm not going to lie, I did overlook a little bit up until last week, Cleveland Farrell. His loss seems to be a little more than what you'd anticipate. Farrell, again, he's a run defender, not a great pass rusher. That's true. But Farrell, I mean, he was the team, one of the teams, if not the team's best run defender. I mean, that, that I think that that's, uh, you know, a, a key that the 49ers are missing because Farrell's out for the year. Now, one thing the San Francisco did do that Marco and I talked about earlier this week could happen is kicking out Ark Armstead to the outside. I didn't think they'd do it just given it's late in the season, but clearly they made, you know, they thought that it was as dire of a moment as it was, and they made that change for a few plays. I think that that's something you could see debut a little more if they practice a little more of that for the Super Bowl because that allows you to have a guy like Kinlaw on the inside. Again, you can weigh the benefit of whether Kinlaw or Young or whoever you think might be the best run defenders on the team overall. But Young right now, it's it's his run defense is not great. Earlier when he was brought in, I thought the 49ers would re-sign him. I thought it could be a priority. I don't think it's going to be a priority for San Francisco anymore, although he has value as a pass rusher. Yeah, I mean, I think Chase Young has to look himself in the mirror and, and realize that I think he's blown a major opportunity here with the 49ers to make big money this offseason. I don't really see any team signing him for a huge, huge contract. And, you know, the, the commanders – letting you know somebody that they use such a high draft pick on in the first round go for a compensatory third round pick shows that they really saw the same thing that maybe some people are seeing on tape that you know he has a lot of natural talent but maybe his motor work ethic his drive whatever it is you know that that makes someone great what you know isn't there Right. And he's he's a liability sometimes on the field. And, you know, there's that one play clip where I think it was uh, I think it was a Jameer, Jameer Gibbs uh, touchdown where it cut back and it was cutting back into a lane that Chase Young was in. Right. Chase Young wasn't wasn't he was even jogging. He didn't yeah, pay attention. And it ended up yeah, being a touchdown instead of what could have uh, what could have been, you know, been a been a big ta- big stop. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately. It's one more week with him, and I think that, you know, he'd be nice if it's – but it's going to be on a team-friendly, like, 49ers-type deal. It's not going to be – he's not going to be able to demand big money to the 49ers. I think the 49ers let him walk because you saw they had – they have guys like Cleveland Farrell, and there's always guys like that that are around that the 49ers seem to have a lot of success with. And, um, you know, and they also have some high draft picks where they might be able to find a solution there as well. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's a little disappointing, I think, Rohan, because we thought that, you know, Chase Young could be a steal and partner with Nick Bosa and, you know, really solidify this defensive line for years to come. But it looks like he's not that guy. Yep, that's the unfortunate reality at the moment. And we'll, we'll see what the 49ers do at, def, uh, at defensive end. I, I'm not sure the exact plan now. Obviously, there are a lot of options. But – the 49ers, moreover, they're in the Super Bowl. That's what matters, and that's how the show's going to end because the Niners are Super Bowl bound. I mean, you know, it, it was something a lot of people expected to happen, something a lot of people hoped to happen. Odds favored it, but it's actually finally here. The way that it happened is incredible. 
what a game, you know, today between the Niners and the Lions. I mean, this one was just a fun one to watch overall. If you're a fan of football, you're a fan, you, you would be a fan of this game. We saw two completely different outcomes, you know, a bit of a slugfest in the early game with the Lions, or sorry, with the Ravens and the Chiefs, and now a bit of a shootout with the Lions and the Niners. Niners move on. They face the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Any last thoughts, though, before we head on out of here, Sunil? Nah, man, it's just it's great to great to see the 49ers back in the Super Bowl. One more to go. It's going to be exciting. We got a couple weeks to talk shop until then, and, you know, it's going to be exciting to do so, Rohan. Oh, yeah. I mean, this one, this this next two weeks, it's going to be a fun one, just dissecting the matchup, just dissecting everything about this game. But we got one more game in our season. That's, uh, you know, something 30 other teams or 28 other teams, they're not able to say. The Niners, they got that, and they are heading to the Super Bowl. Sunil, I want you to take us out for this show because, I mean, that's the classic, you know. <laughs> stay safe, stay hydrated, and we'll see y'all very soon in the Super Bowl. Hey, we'll see y'all indeed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.